Welcome to the Yoga Addiction. If you're a yoga teacher or student who wants a deeper understanding of yoga with respect to science, health, and longevity, this podcast is for you. Every week, we'll dive deep into a topic to help you be a better yogi, teacher, and communicator. We want to give you a practical understanding of the current science related to yoga and help you create quality, safe, and inspired classes, whether they are for yourself at home or for your students. I'm Natalie Sanger. And I'm Sandy Hewen. We look forward to you taking part in our conversations. Hi there. Hey. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Um, so there's a new voice on the line. If you guys haven't noticed, this is Imogen. Hey, everyone. <laughs> is that? Am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, Imogen. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Awesome. Um, so Nat can't join us. I'm, I'm interviewing Imogen today. Um, she's a super interesting yogi. Uh, but Nat can't join us. She's playing hooky from podcasting because she has a real person, real girl job. Um, and she started it this week and we scheduled a few podcasts. Um, I think it, this is like her 6 a.m. And she's just like, no, no bueno. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> she's not doing it. <laughs> Yeah, she's just done with uh, desk work for, for a little bit. I think she just has to probably ease her way into it. Um, yeah. Hi, Imogen. Hey, how are you, Sandy? I'm so good. I'm so, I don't know, I'm, I'm a little stiff this morning. I slept like eight hours last night, which is amazing. Nice. You need to, you need to get on your mat. <laughs> I know I need to move I need to get the the kinks out but it's been like such good sleeping weather in Toronto because it's like uh like 14 15 degrees at night oh, it's nice. so nice lovely and you're you're just boiling over there aren't I you? am boiling over here in Myanmar it's something like 33 <laughs> degrees today I think so <laughs> how about at night does, it does cool down at night though it right does cool down but not a huge amount not enough <laughs> oh is it like that humid sticky close heat yes that's exactly what it is. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> lots, yeah. That's I find that <laughs> that's hard to sleep in. It's hard to like, like release in. You know, when it's that hot. Yeah, it's hard to breathe in. You know, I really notice. Um, oh, I really notice a change in my my practice, particularly when I'm like on the mat. When it's when I'm here, really? yeah, compared to when I'm in the UK or somewhere yeah. dry and and not so hot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so what are the changes you've Just noticed? like my capacity to breathe is much shorter and shallower because there's so much moisture in the mm. air. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like half of your lung is like water. Right, <laughs> you're like exactly. trying to breathe the rest. Like, <laughs> oh, man. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, okay, so that aside, um, I met Imogen on one of our Tiffany Crookshank yoga medicine retreats. Um, where were we? We were in Thailand. Oh, so we good. were. Yeah, we were. See, Thailand Close was hot. Yeah. yeah, Thailand was so nice. It was like hot, but it was also like you had that ocean breeze. It was so lovely. Oh my god. Yeah, I it was a good it. time of year when we were there as well. It wasn't like it wasn't super super hot. It was just kind of right. perfect hot. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and having like a pool nearby so you can like soak and get cool through your entire body. Oh, <laughs> that's so nice. Oh, oh to be I back. 
I know. And then having everything like those retreat centers are so good because they just like take care of the food. They take care of cleaning. They take care of your laundry. You just don't have to do a thing. Oh, I know. So, so nice. lucky. We were so lucky. <laughs> okay. So we met there and um, I don't know. We just like we just started talking and it was just so cool to get to know you and like hear about your work. Um, so let's let's share this with everyone. Um how and why and who just tell us what who's who are you man what is going on i'm a yoga i'm a yoga instructor um i live in myanmar um i've i've been here for about two and a half years and um i came with this little like pipe dream this little intention of of setting up work working with women um primarily um, to help them through trauma. Um, I don't know mm. how much you know about the history and the politics of the country, but there's many marginalized groups, many, many different ethnic groups. I think there's something like 167 different ethnic groups or something <laughs> in the country um, wow. and still conflict going on. And um, and so, yeah, I had already been working in that field in London for a couple of years uh, and, and wanted to try and come out here and, and bring some, some yoga to these many women that are, um, most of them have no freedom of movement or very little freedom of movement to help them heal, essentially. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. So when you say freedom of movement, do you mean like like literally to move their bodies in space or like movement in like migration? In oh, yeah. Areas? In terms of their their place on the globe. So like um, um, because of all the of all the, the many conflicts over the years, um, a lot of uh, a lot of the population are in in camps or in areas of the country where they they can't really get out um so um it's more about going into them yeah yeah um so I want to get a little bit into the backstory so you mentioned that in the UK and and that's where you're originally from you were already doing this kind of work like what what drew you to it because this is like a really it's kind of a specific <laughs> kind of work like do you have training as a psychotherapist do you have training as like a medical anything or other no, you know what? It just kind of came to me. Yeah. <laughs> like I, so I did the first uh, four hundred hours, and I had I had been a yogi for many years. I think I did my first class when I was like sixteen. Wow. <laughs> so I was so it's been a twenty-one on years or something that I have been on the mat, and then I did my first teacher training, and we quite quickly off the back of that threw myself into a restorative training with um, Judith Lassiter from the US. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you probably know her, yeah. of her. She's a pretty She's big a name. Restorative Wait, so you trained guru. directly with her? <laughs> yeah, I did her. It was a number of years ago now, but I did her restorative. I don't know if she's still doing it. I'm sure she probably is mm. in some form because she's, um, I think she's in her 80s now. Wow, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'd always I'd always been really interested in yoga as medicine, I guess, and the therapeutic side to yoga. Mm -hmm. um, and then I completed that restorative training and was asked by a 
charity, a cancer charity in the UK um, that work with young people to put a program together for them to help survivors get back into their bodies. Yeah. Um, so the, the work kind of just that, that first piece of work that I did for them kind of came to me and then it just grew from there. I did some work with the Teenage Cancer Trust in the UK um I worked a little bit with homeless people in London um a charity based around King's Cross um and so I already had worked with different groups traumatized groups in within the UK so that's kind of where it it started Mm -hmm. for me Um, yeah and then I guess a stroke of madness, really, <laughs> coming <laughs> back in the suitcase and deciding that I was going to come in and try and use my my skills over here. Yeah, yeah. that's awesome. Amazing. <laughs> what what made you pick Myanmar? I had been here as a tourist, so ah. I had been here before, and um, I had been I've been to Southeast Asia mm. a number of times. I've always been drawn to Southeast Asia and. Um, yeah, Myanmar, when I came, just, I was just kind of overwhelmed by it, fell in love with it. And it kind of gets you, gets under your skin and on top of your skin and yeah. <laughs> all the things into your lungs. <laughs> and, um, I guess I was quite, when I first came, I spent about a month here and I, I moved around the country a lot and realized how many, um, women there were um compared to men as well the the population is Mm. largely female um and because of the history of the country largely there's this history of trauma through the Mm -hmm. through the generations since the british left really in the 1940s um so um so yeah I that was that was how I came to be here (laughs) yeah oh that's awesome I'm so glad that you connected with a like physical place and I I totally understand where it's like I don't know sometimes you just get a sense that your your time is right to be in that space yeah Um, if that makes sense it's just like a sensation yeah yeah exactly yeah I think I can hear the the geckos yeah you can hear the geckos (laughs) They're, they're like clicking yeah I miss that I miss that about tropical countries there's always like I don't know, someone, some animal making a sound. They can be <laughs> very <cool>. noisy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Awesome. So that that's really interesting. Um, I, I guess I want to know next, like, what characterizes this kind of work? So with people who have physical trauma or emotional trauma that, of course, is we, we know that in physical and emotional trauma are starting to bridge into like the same area, like they're almost one in the same, you know, one affects the other, the other affects the, the each other. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, like, so how, how do we differ that from like the yoga, let's say from, you know, like a, um, a city like Toronto or New York or LA where, you know, we're, we're mostly regular people. Of course, everyone has their story. Um, but we walk into our yoga spaces, which are like beautifully manicured, super clean, (laughs) (laughs) um, uh, you know, like shoes off at the door, please, uh, yoga spaces and, and those, have you been, you've been into like yoga spaces in big cities right yeah I'm sure you have yeah oh yeah yeah I'm a Londoner yeah <laughs> yeah oh <laughs> I love London London's so nice do you ever miss it 
Oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so what what differs in like the approach to the practice? Well, I'd say that the nuts and bolts of like the asana are the same in terms of like you know if you're teaching key actions or something. <laughs> but I think in terms of trauma sensitive work, it's more about the how, like how we how we present it, how we facilitate. Um, mm. So varying the language, the language is a big thing. Using right. um, language that's an invitation. Um, yes, yeah. Uh, that's supportive and understanding, that's got a sensitivity to it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd say also simplicity keeping things super simple particularly with the groups of women that I've been working with I mean many of whom are completely illiterate um so not even being able to have you know not them not even necessarily understanding how to learn has been a big thing for me to to one of my challenges but we can talk about that a bit later, but yeah. So it's keeping it simple. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Creating, I'd say, a space, a, a safe space. I mean, the, the organization that I've set up here is called Safe Space Myanmar um, mm-hmm. for that very reason. So being a facilitator rather than a teacher, I guess, I think using the word teacher comes, can sometimes sound a little bit too uh, powerful, maybe. Um, but oh. creating um, a container that allows people to begin to explore without any sort of shame. Um, right. I mean, yeah, the the trauma that most of the women that I've been working with have that they've undergone, you know, are extreme, extreme things. War um, and and all the things that come with that. Um, So giving them a place, a physical place uh, that allows them to feel safe is like probably the prime thing. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 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 And how do you, sorry, go on. Yeah. Go on. Oh, um, just about like, how do you, create that like are you lugging bolsters across the country <laughs> and like dim lighting and candles because like yeah, good question that must be that must have its yeah that must be so challenging well we are yogging we are lugging yoga mats and um we okay. are the, the lighting tends to be very dim anyway or no lighting at all I mean it okay. depends where you are but um some of the camps that I've worked in um the camps for the internally displaced people here haven't got you know electricity and lighting and things so um mm-hmm. yeah in fact one of the places I was working in April because the women were so nervous about the rest of the community seeing what we were doing in the space they they had to have all the windows shut so <laughs> it was it was really dark <laughs> uh, and very very warm <laughs> very hot (laughs) yeah yeah oh my goodness so there there is still like it's is it for the women a very difficult thing to say like I'm going to go to my yoga class like is that 
Oh, like, absolutely. I mean, many of the, some of them have never even heard of yoga. <laughs> right. So we're yeah. bringing um, we're bringing in something that they've it is totally new for them, and most of them have no or have never undertaken any sort of physical exercise other than like labor work mm-hmm. or um, you know yeah. working on the land or um, exercise as we see it in. Um, the West isn't, it would, it's not the, the same in the, in these, um, areas that are cut off. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's, that's so incredible. And how do you like, how does it impact you as someone who is trying to, and Oh, I love the way you said like facilitator. Cause sometimes I feel like, yeah, that's, that's a, a huge part of our job is, is this allowing for someone to, dive into themselves and heal themselves right and discover themselves rather than us telling them like yamas and niyamas this 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 and that right it's oh totally sandy yeah you've hit the nail on the head i think for me it's like that thing of not imposing as a teacher you know i think we especially when you're a new teacher and i know i i look back at myself when I first qualified and think, God, I, I was trying to impose yeah. what I thought people needed. <laughs> I think we, we all did though, right? Uh, like we all, like we have these wonderful messages right. and we want to give you these messages. But like ultimately, like my most powerful experiences as a teacher have been just like witnessing, bearing witness to someone's um, release. Absolutely. And then responding to what they need in that moment. And that can that can vary, you know, from moment yeah. to moment. Yeah. So, oh, my question was basically like, how how has this affected you as a person, as a teacher, as a facilitator? Like, it, it must carry such an emotional load. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I first started doing the work here, um, I I was. I led to question my own privilege so much. Um, and it's something that I'm still working with. Um, I think that many of us, and this is as teachers and as humans, like not you don't have to be a yoga teacher to 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 feel this, but I think many of us are totally unaware still of our own bias right yeah (laughs) and I think that we um have and must all continually to continue to work to investigate our blind spots and I think for me that's been one of the big teachings um this constant re-examination of my own bias and that takes my own privilege that takes so much courage like I'm so in awe of this journey that you're on I just think it's like (laughs) yeah not many people would do it not many people have the courage to like go and immerse themselves you know it's incredible well there's been many moments where I thought I might just pack my suitcase and get on a flight back to London (laughs) so yeah (laughs) um yeah I bet I bet I bet we we would all have that um so yeah I kind of want to like tease that a little bit so tell us about that like what what have been the most challenging parts of this (laughs) besides what I just asked you about you know teasing apart your own (laughs) blind spots I mean living in a developed country has it has its um issues whatever right but I think that in terms of the challenges with the work the work yeah um that I've been doing um 
so many things that you just can't, you couldn't you can't foresee like things that have come up that I just honestly would never have been able to tell you would happen for example um some of the work I was doing in March this year in in one of the areas um the the NGO that I had partnered with was having to run an evacuation because of some fighting that was happening in an area just to the east of where we were um and the whole of that state is um uh, well, a large part of the state or the part that we're working on is right on the the sea on a very unstable delta um, where you can only reach the camps by boat um, and only when the tide's up, right? So wow. um, so there was this evacuation that was going on. And so the NGO were using all of the speedboats to do the evacuation. So um, little old me and my translator, we had to travel um to the camp we were working in that that for three or four days that week by wooden boat and it was taking us it was taking us about three hours each way oh my goodness so we were (laughs) and I mean the the exhaustion and the like traveling on a wooden boat that feels like it's gonna break and sing (laughs) (laughs) and then and then wading like because also because the tide was always was out then by the time we would reach the the area we needed to be so we'd have to get out and we'd wade across these mud flats for about 10 or 15 minutes and then we'd go through a police checkpoint and then we would get on a motorbike and then we would drive through a camp for 15 minutes and then I would get there and have to start (laughs) start the work yeah yeah and then we'd have to do all of that again to come home. So oh, my goodness. that was every day. Yeah. So it's like, I think those are the kind of challenges that that I just had no, like when I started yeah. started on this adventure, like I had no yeah. concept of those kind they're, of things. Yeah, they're essentially infrastructure challenges, aren't they? Yeah, that, the infrastructure challenges have been massive. Yeah, but massive. they're yeah, that's what I mean. They're like massive there, which is so. Oh my goodness, that must be such a such a physical and emotional toll because you're you're also trying to go there and do your best as a teacher facilitator, um, and you're coming from this space of just like I'm exhausted. Right, my legs totally. are dirty. <laughs> Yeah, I'm covered in mud. I'm exhausted. I've got sand in my toes. (laughs) And now I've got to like, get on with the work. Yeah. And do it for like two, three days for however long you were able to. That's, that's just incredible. Um, Um, Yeah. So yeah, infrastructure has been a big thing. (laughs) I guess translation is something that is a constant challenge because obviously not speaking Burmese or Myanmar, um, uh I'm always working with a translator and in some of the areas that I've been the ethnic groups have their own um language again so they don't speak Myanmar they speak their local dialects um so some of the groups I was working with in April I had four that we were we were translating through four different languages oh my goodness and and is this Um, like during a yoga class or just like to yeah yeah oh wow during the whole thing so I had two girls two translators because there was no one that spoke English and the dialect of the women I was working with so I had someone speaking English translating English Myanmar and then someone else translating from Myanmar into the local dialect so yeah 
um, it was like Chinese whispers. And so there's this, yeah. then there's this whole question in my head of what's actually getting through, you know. Right. But they're right. responding and you can see it. So yeah. So it is getting through. <laughs> so in, in classes like that, where you, so are your classes typically like an hour or, or a little bit more? Tend to be less actually with, oh. um, well, <laughs> the, the classes that I'm encouraging, it depends which group I'm working with, okay. to be honest. Um, yeah. And I kind of, I, I feel my way through it. Um, right. Once I, I meet the group, but a lot of the, a lot of them don't have the strength um, in their physical bodies um, to do a huge amount. Yes. Um, yeah. They're they're massively malnourished and mm. um, and like I said, they're not used to physical exercise. So um, yeah, and normally maybe about forty minutes. Or it could it could be an hour if you add in a, a lot of breath and and right. meditation as well. Yeah. But, so yeah. like walk us walk us through what it looks like. Like so you're sitting at the front of the class. You have your translator beside you. <laughs> like how how does this? And then you have a group of what like twenty thirty women. Um, darkened windows, hot and steamy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we try. I try and keep the the groups really small. So I I normally okay. try and keep them under ten. Um, just because again, when you're working with, um, groups of people that have, are, are suffering with, with toxic stress or PTSD, you, you know, you just don't know how they're going to respond. And also, um, the, especially with the groups I've been working with, it might be different if you were working, um, in the West, um, but they like I said they 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 don't really know um what yoga is um so there's a huge amount of learning that has to go on for them and actually that's been another um big challenge for me in terms of not realizing necessarily how to teach people that are illiterate <laughs> right um yeah. because they don't know how to learn so you know you think we were all taught how to learn at school right we were really lucky mm-hmm. we went to school we taught we we, we did all those years <laughs> yeah we know how to respond and and take in information um yeah so I found that quite quite challenging often I'll offer something for example like uh Let's use a really simple example, like say, okay, this is mountain pose. And with mountain pose, we have our feet directly under our hips in this environment for stability. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, And we have our arms down the sides of our body, you know, and I'll go through some key actions. And then I'll say, so what do we do in mountain pose? And I'll ask them to repeat it back to me. and, And they won't be able to. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. so it's been, yeah. um, that's been a, a, a big challenge as well. But I, I mean, yeah, you're still giving them a lot of skills. And like the fact that we can do it kinesthetically is also, I think, like a huge thing that we have over like, if we were to go there and teach English as a second language, you know, it's so cerebral. And so, yeah, like repeat after me, this, 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 this. Whereas like 
with a yoga class, it's like we all have two arms and two legs and a spine, you know? So there's this like commonality there where it's like, yeah, now feel your arms and spread them, you know? And then like now do that every single time that we do a warrior two. Right. right. It's and like that, spreading and of the arms. And that's what is so great about yoga. Like they very quick, very quickly, no matter if they have never done it before and they don't speak exactly. the language, like, and they haven't got much strength. If you repeat yeah. it like a number of times very quickly, they pick it up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like if you wanted them to conjugate a verb, it's like, <laughs> whoops, <laughs> yeah. no, that's not, that's uh, not yeah. happening. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. Um, what other lessons are, are you trying to like thread into those classes? Because as we know, like through the yoga, there are other things that we can sort of try to communicate, whether it's being received or not. Are there any, like, do you have any intentions going in? Again, it really depends on the group. Um, With the groups that have been more, some of the groups that I've worked with here are are literate and um, Mm -hmm. particularly the Christian groups because there's so many different religions within the country as well. Um, and with the groups that are more literate, you can bring in a lot more, let's call it theming. I don't know if I really want to use that word, but you know, um, (laughs) whereas the groups that are, are more cut off and less exposed. Um, I mean, the key things for me are just, um, allowing them to feel grounded and allowing them to feel safe and allowing them to feel present. So those, those would be my themes per se. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Which is huge, right? Like feeling grounded for a person in a war torn area or, um, having conflict right outside the door. That's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty big thing being able to trust. Absolutely. And just giving them those simple tools to self-regulate, like, um, you know, explaining to them that they can use these visualizations um wherever they are whenever they whenever they want um to help themselves is really key yeah (laughs) so it's less about the asana you know really I mean the the asana is there but the the um the self-regulation technique the meditation or awareness techniques if you want to call them that and the pranayama the breath techniques Mm -hmm. are probably more important I would say really than the physical asana Mm -hmm. to begin with anyway how long do you get to spend with each group it it varies depending on on who I'm partnering with and and um yeah travel authority so for me to be able to travel into the different conflict zones here in Myanmar we have to have travel authority from the government so mm-hmm. um yeah it's it, there's so many factors like logistical factors mm-hmm. like we were saying infrastructure factors yeah um but right. I would say on average the I would have been spending about three days with each group that I've worked oh, wow. with yeah yeah. Do you ever go to like, do you ever get to revisit? Well, funny you should ask that actually, but I am. Yeah, I'm. So I haven't yet with any of the groups, but mm. one of the NGOs that I partnered with in uh, March this year has just literally um, asked me to go back again, probably in November. 
So yeah, I'm, I'm super, I'm super stoked for that because it would be great to go back, yeah. see the women again, see where they're at, give them some more tools, yeah. answer any questions. Exactly. Yeah. And see if you can, uh, I don't know, just like track learning, right? Like you were saying, like, are, are, are these techniques helping them and how can we provide them with maybe a, a a tweak or you know a little adjustment or a little reminder even because we know that like you know lessons repeated have a, a bigger effect um to maintain this consistent groundedness absolutely and, yeah, yeah it's really interesting exactly. mm. yeah it's a it's a really big topic I think um have you are you all on your own there or are there any other yoga teachers it's there? so vast um there's other to- there's other yoga teachers um in Yangon where I'm based. Um, okay. There's not that many of us that are full-time yoga teachers, like probably a handful. Mm. Um, there's a number right. of teachers that have full-time jobs in, in NGOs who teach one or two classes a week. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, sometimes it, sometimes mm. I, I do feel like I'm on my own. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And then there's that, I guess it's like, yeah, like this idea of consistency and having this as an offering there um, that's more accessible rather than like three days out of the year and then maybe never again. Right. Um, Would you be are are you working on anything towards like training locals or training um, people there to be able to offer this kind of stuff who who might be able to have Burma Burmese as like their first language um, and English as their second absolutely yeah no and the legacy element of it is is what's huge hugely important to me which is why one of the reasons that I actually wanted to base myself here so that I could see the work kind of through um so yeah in answer to your question the the tools that I'm teaching are essentially tools so that they can then facilitate them for themselves um so teaching them to teach themselves small sequences short sequences um I fundraised for um I fundraised for a, a training which I partnered on two NGOs with last year um mm-hmm. and we trained in that training 10 women from different parts of the country Myanmar women um and it was a, a six-day trauma-sensitive teacher training so all of those 10 women now have a a 10-day short but I think very um impactful training um, and they're all around the country now doing teaching within their communities. Um, and then within the camps where yeah. I'm working now, the the women are, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm teaching them the tools so that they can teach to their wider communities. Right. So you're almost treating each each student like someone who could spread the knowledge. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So the ladies, I mean, the groups, for example, um, I'll partner with one NGO and um, they bring to me their community leaders. So Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the NGOs have already got women's centers set up within the the conflict zones, places where women can go um, that are supposedly safe. 
So the yeah. community leaders who run those centers within the camps are generally the women that I've been working with. So once once they have the, the, the knowledge and the tools, then they can continue to, to, to spread the tools. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. awesome. Have you, and, and has it like, have you done some follow-up and seen how they're doing? Like, are they continuing to hold these classes? And- yeah, we've got, we've got, yeah, positive feedback. It's super cool. Really? Yeah. Good, yeah. I've, I had I actually so. had somebody from, um, from the Australian embassy, a friend of mine who was up in one of the areas I'd been working, send me a picture, a photo on WhatsApp um, a month or so ago saying, I've just seen one of your yoga classes. <laughs> oh that's so sweet it is it's it's happening we're spreading the yoga (laughs) yeah but you're also spreading it in an area that like oh my god like who needs it the most like they do my goodness they do yeah no they do and and I think it's it's really interesting actually here in in because the most of the population here are buddhist although there are Muslims and Christians and Hindus. And what I found quite interesting is in when you're working with groups in other parts of the world, meditation is quite a big issue, I find sometimes. Oh, really? Because it's so connected to, to Buddhism. Ah. Um, and whereas here, even the Muslim groups or the Christian groups that I've worked with, they are really down with the meditation. It's really yeah. interesting because I think because I think it's such a powerful um, part of Myanmar, whether whatever your religion that you you come from. And I guess in that sense, meditation being that connect, connection to spirit, anyway. But um, yeah, it's that's been quite interesting. Do you feel like they they just sort of like non religiousized it more easily than we have? Yeah, almost like accepted it to be huh. universal, I would say, rather than connected to Buddhism. Does right. that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because it's so yeah. normalized, because it's so normal here and because most of the most of the um population know of it, you know, are Buddhist oh. and practice practice it. Yeah. So I think that the the other religious groups have almost taken it on as as a thing, you know, right, without right. Yeah. being an issue I guess it's sort of like even here it's viewed as like a very peaceful thing right you're just sitting quietly is <laughs> actually in Chinese that's what like meditation literally translates as sitting quietly <laughs> which is yeah so literal but <laughs> so evocative sitting quietly um so it's a pretty non-threatening I guess kind of uh practice Absolutely. But that then in contrast, when when you start telling them about yoga, many yeah. of them here have questioned, are they allowed to do it? Is it against their uh, religion? Yeah, I guess yoga is more of that Hinduism. Um, yeah, they have this deities. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, they, they make that connection. They think it's from India and that it's from, you know, right. uh, it's only for the Hindus or the Buddhists. Right. And they... Yeah, to, to making the groups of women understand that it's secular has been quite a challenge, actually. I mean, in, yeah. <laughs> in one of the groups I was working, one of the Christian groups I was working with in July, um, uh, there was a slightly older lady who was very, very powerful. And um, she was really fighting her, her corner, 
saying, you know, are you sure that I can do it as a Christian? So, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. How do you respond to that? Like, because, oh, my goodness, do you need like an OK from the local church? Like, yeah, well, we do, you, we do need to get them on side. Yeah, we do need to have the community leaders kind of approve it basically right yeah um that's why we've been working with these groups of women that are already the community leaders because if they okay it then the rest of the community are probably going to accept it if you see what I mean yeah Um, yeah yeah really interesting I guess how do we approach it well just just much more scientifically you know yeah yeah say that it's not actually the Hindus don't own yoga (laughs) yeah (laughs) and um that it is secular and it's about peace and freedom and you know yeah so do you do you not call the the pose name like garandasana um or sorry no that one's actually means eagle but like one that's named after like a sage you know like vishma like is named after this uh deity the vishvama whatever guy um like do you avoid those do you just call them you try to like give them an english name oh yeah don't use sanskrit names for anything yeah 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 that so makes just sense. literally and in fact i would i mean we use so few asana like such simple uh, asana okay. it's kind of like yeah. cat cow mountain pose yeah. dog pose uh bridge pose um yeah we don't even yeah. we don't get that complicated simplify simplify yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right you were mentioning simplify so that's another another way to simplify that's really cool um so I want to get into this next question that's uh probably we might spend a little bit of time on this one about how so how can we take your lessons and apply it to the yoga of the Western world? Because um, most of our listeners are, um, you know, in a big city center or in the the Western world where, of course, this podcast is in English, so <laughs> more people can understand it in English. So hopefully you've got um, some English yeah, <laughs> yeah, seriously, if you're not an English listener, <laughs> wow, <laughs> good job. <laughs> I don't know how you got through all this, but yeah. Um... I guess for me, the work is, well, the work is obviously a choice, right? Um, It's how I live my yoga. It's how I am of service in the world. And I think that, I think that so much of modern yoga and how we practice in the West and this big commercial vehicle that yoga has become um, is focused towards asana and that only you know and I think that this kind of work is really about the eight limbs it's about bringing back the lineage and the teachings and bringing that into the modern world like what modern yoga has lost to that degree in terms of giving back you know um right right in terms of service I guess oh that's so awesome I love that that's great and there's also I mean there's there's marginalized communities everywhere right so this work can be done anywhere I mean you don't have to come to a a refugee camp in Myanmar to do this work um (laughs) I mean there's crime and violence in all parts of the world um whether you're living in a 
yeah. a first world country or not. So um, I think it's really important to remember that trauma isn't just reserved for the marginalized, right? Is there any um, advice you'd give to someone who, who does live in a big city and wants to get involved in, you know, this idea? Because it is a huge thing, right? Like we want to be of service in more than like a, a studio setting. We want to actually impact communities in a way that's lasting, that changes someone's life or at least their experience. Um, yeah. What advice would you give? Considering you've already done it in London, right? You've yeah. Done it in I mean, if city. you have a yoga teacher training already, um, I th- you can just go start. <laughs> um, I think, you know, like I said, be mindful of, of certain language and, be simple with what you're teaching and and as long as you go in with kindness and you're self-forgiving in terms of what you you how you respond to what you're giving if that makes sense um mm, there's yeah. there's quite a few trainings now as well um i mean i did my trauma sensitive training with halakuri from off the mat and into the world i don't know whether you know those guys they're in the u.s yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, like, Halla has a training uh, online, and I think she does an in, intensive in-person thing as well. Um, I think Tiffany has something online as well now, doesn't she? Yoga Medicine has something. Oh, I don't right. think it's a huge th- yeah. module, but I- no, I think it's like a two-hour um, online thing i haven't taken it you have, have you no i haven't taken it, taken it. i've been meaning to do it okay i'd be really really interested yeah, to yeah. to do it um yeah especially because you're saying like you turn to the science um so much uh because it is that like it's secular science doesn't have that religious you know tone to it and tiffany is is so she gives so much wonderful scientific knowledge so if there was like there might be some really great tools on that actually exactly yeah i i I must get my myself into gear and and do that one but yeah if if i would recommend that (laughs) if you're interested as a yoga teacher then um choose um perhaps one of the the trainings there's there's also the trauma center in the states that um that do some trainings you can look them up I can't remember I think it's just Mm. traumacenter.org or something um and they were yeah yeah well we'll have all the yeah well I'll I'll do some research into all the links and make sure that they're available on our website for people I can uh, send you a list as well um but yeah I would just educate yourself a little bit in how to lead a a class um Mm. with with trauma sensitivity (laughs) Um, and, and actually, it will really change your teaching generally. And I think one thing that I I do would really advocate is that teacher trainings, 200-hour teacher trainings, should all have uh, a trauma-sensitive section to them, I think. Um, because most yoga classes, wherever you are in the world, have somebody in them that has suffered from some form of trauma yeah oh of course you don't get you don't really get through life without something happening but yeah I would say um to go go and do a little bit of um of of learning um Mm -hmm. there's there's many ways out there and then just start yeah yeah (laughs) find someone find a group that you feel strongly that you want to support um and like you said that can be there's so many 
um, marginalized groups out there. Um, um, That can be young people, um, that can be homeless people, that can be people suffering with illness or... Yeah. um, And go slowly. I would definitely suggest starting with smaller groups as well. Yeah. You don't want to have too large a group. Yeah. And that's really interesting. Slowly and shorter amounts of time, like 40 to 30 minutes, 45 minutes, that that time frame, rather than this sort of one hour, which is actually kind of arbitrary when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. This one hour of yoga. A lot yeah. of people just haven't got the attention. Um, yeah. Especially, yeah. you know, if they're suffering with really bad PTSD or something, they might not be able to, you know, uh, they get triggered by lots of things and yeah, exactly. It's it's. I think the shorter classes are are more bite more bite size. Yeah, more tasty, more palatable for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yum yum. Um, that's really really good information. I think that uh, if someone is looking to get into this kind of um, work, this is really really helpful. Um, especially no matter where they are, they can sort of like dive into it just with a little bit of research. Um, yeah. And I guess the last one is uh, what's your main message for people knowing that so most of our listeners, like I said, are yoga teachers or really interested yogis um, in yogis interested in yoga. (laughs) That's like a terrible, terrible sentence, but yogis interested in in all aspects of yoga. Um, What's your main message to them from your your standpoint um, there? I guess I guess to to help to restore a sense of awareness. And this is the feminist in me speaking, but um, uh, a sense of agency about how we treat women's bodies or how women's bodies are treated in the world. Um, Mm, I mean, the women that I've been working with, giving them tools to inhabit their own bodies rather than disconnect from them, giving them permission that essentially reinforces that they've got a choice and a control over some part of their lives, even if they haven't got choices in other parts of their lives. Um, And that in itself, that restoring of awareness, connecting to the body is the yoga, right? I mean, that's the yoking. Right. Yeah. 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 Especially when it's being disconnected. Yeah bringing it all back together. And then I guess lastly, if someone wanted to reach out and talk to you more about, you know, whatever anyone is interested in, or maybe even like give to your cause or find out more about your cause. Um, is there a website? Is there a something where people can get a hold of you? Uh, I have a Facebook page at the moment. Um, I think it's at safe space Myanmar. Okay. Awesome. Um, I'll- I'll check that out. I'll give it to you. Um, or yeah, just contact me directly through Facebook, um, Imogen North Yoga or Imogen North. Just PM me, DM me. Yeah. <laughs> You're on, are you and, on Instagram? Um, you are, right? Uh, yeah, on Instagram as well. Oh, okay. Imogen North Yoga. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Any yeah. form of social media. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and I'll, I'll pick it up. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd love people to get in touch if they're interested. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Are you guys in need of anything right now? Like yoga mats um, or? We can always do with yoga mats. Um, mm. But to be, to, 
To be honest, right at the moment, I mean, I'm not desperate for anything. <laughs> Sounds good. And I also have a generous, I had a generous donation from somebody recently as well. So I've got a little bit of oh. um, cash in, in, in the bank. So yeah. um, right now, I don't think so. But thank you. Um, oh, I, yeah. I can always yeah. put a call out if I, on social media if I'm in need of something. Yeah, or just we'll have you back on our podcast and we'll we'll t- you'll tell everybody about <laughs> what you need yeah. and, and like yeah, because there's so many like lost yoga mats in studios. I think we have like a drawer full of them and we donate them. Oh, um, really? I think it's once every yeah, we donate them locally though. Right. Like I don't think our studios do. Yeah, yeah, we mostly just like literally drive them over um, to either a women's shelter or somewhere where they they might be put to use. Um, except the really stinky <laughs> ones than those we throw out. Um, but yeah, it, it, there must be some sort of uh, system in place to ship them over to you if you well, needed I, them. Or... Yeah, thanks, Sandy. At the moment, I think we're good. But, um, but yeah, I'll yeah, let you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was so good to chat with you and to hear... So good to chat. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been really fun. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to say? Or anything else you want to communicate? Are we good? No, I think I'm good. Lots of love from Asia. Oh, I miss <laughs> Asia and I miss you. Wish we could like, uh, see each other <laughs> soon, <soon>. eventually. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, guys, for listening. Um, and just one quick little thing before we sign off, just that um, all of your comments and reviews on Apple Podcasts or anything where you any like system that you listen to this podcast on, um, those reviews are really, really super helpful. It does help to get our sort of content and our message out to more people um, because we'll be ranked higher which is what everyone wants of course (laughs) but then more people will be able to find us and more people will be able to um, hear and listen to these uh, hopefully really useful and inspiring messages Um, so that really does help us it also helps me and Nat um, emotionally as we (laughs) as we go through our weeks of recording these podcasts and not really knowing who else who is out there listening to us Um, and when we do have that connection, it, it's, it just helps us keep the momentum as well. So if you have some time, please do go out there onto Apple Podcasts, leave us a review or on whatever you use to listen to this podcast. All right. And that being said, thank you so much for listening, guys. And we will hang out really soon. Bye. Bye.